Well, here goes with podcast two of my New Year review of the 12 megatrends that will have a big impact on your business through to 2020 and beyond. To remind you, I've covered the shifting of economic power globally, increased urbanisation, the increasing spread of wealth and the ageing population. Trends five and six have a distinct green tinge and I'm running them together. The fifth one is increasing importance of health and well-being and six growing consumer concerns about sustainability. In many countries, as body shapes have ballooned, so have consumer concerns about health and well-being and the degree to which what we eat is a contributing factor. It's a no-brainer, really. For most people, it comes down to eat less, particularly less fat, sugar and salt, and exercise more. But we manage to complicate the issue enormously. Irrespective, this consumer concern, for some obsession with eating right, presents clear opportunities and threats, of course, for us in the food and drink industry. The excellent, excellent, excellent journal, New Nutrition Business, tracks new product trends in this area. Current consumer hot buttons are linked to products which offer benefits relating to improved digestive health, weight management, energy boosting, immunity enhancement, strengthening bones and improving mobility, and antioxidant provision. Consumers are impatient. They want the health benefits to be manifest very quickly and in products that are natural, with super clean labels and ultra convenient and they're willing to pay a premium for winners. Health and food safety are inextricably linked. At the scientific level, food has never been safer, yet consumers express continual concern about safety issues. Each year, in the most developed countries in the world, food safety scare stories are pervasive in the media. Over Christmas 2010 in Europe, it was dioxins in German eggs. In the USA, frankly, shock horror stories about food are a long-running soap opera. Through to 2020, will consumers want to peer back down the supply chain to reassure themselves that all is well with their food? I think not. But, and it's a very big but, consumers simply expect that the food and drink industry has food safety sorted. They believe as a matter of course that we know exactly where all our ingredients come from. And if they find out that we don't, then they're outraged and penalise us by not buying our products. If they have any doubt... They'll just cut us off. Transparency in the supply chain will be increasingly a requirement and a fundamental base of our business for any brand, whether it be manufacturer or retailer. Increasingly, consumers are linking health and well-being concerns with sustainability. The so-called low-hass consumer segment, those that have lifestyles of health and sustainability, are purportedly... 19%, 19% of the US adult population. That's 41 million people. Fanciful, you say? Well, some of them are influential. With consumers, government, the media, and through this decade, they will be increasingly holding the modern global food and drink industry to account. They charge that the industry is threatening the health and well-being of the planet. This is issues related to sustainability, climate change, resource conservation, biodiversity, etc. The wastage of food seems a particularly topical issue right now. They also charge that the health and well-being of consumers is at risk through making supersized portions of products that are groaning with salt, sugar and fat. And they're concerned about the abuse to small guys in the food system, whether they be farmers or their animals or disadvantaged suppliers of ingredients, not least from developing countries. When I talk to senior people in the food and drink industry about this area, often there's anger in the room. The likes of Michael Pollan, Eric Schlosser, Marion Nessel and David Kessler, all Americans by the by, 
are characterized as the devil's spawn. Is this an American phenomenon? Not at all. In the UK, the Hugh Fernley Whittingstalls and Jamie Olivers of this world are as vocal and influential as those in the US. About a year ago, I did a pod- podcast entitled The Green Train Has Left the Station. All aboard! And it's as relevant now as it was then. Why? Because the big guns, government, major FMCG companies, global retailers, special interest groups and early adopter consumers are all pushing in the same direction. By 2020, the way we do business in our industry will be transformed through an accelerated evolutionary process that embraces lower carbon, water conservation, afforestation, not deforestation, and proactive climate-friendly initiatives. Reluctant to change suppliers will be left behind as big customers ask for more and more initiatives from their increasingly exclusive closed supply chains who are on the green train. Trend 7 is scarcity of natural resources. And it's building on the previous points and to remind us that they have substance, this concern about sustainability, for example. And it's this growing scientific evidence that uh, in the near future that there will be a scarcity of natural resources. In the next 20 years or so, we'll add another 1.5 billion people to the planet. Demand for food will increase by 50% and 30% more demand for water. Do we have the resources? I'm not sure. But first a caveat. I'm old enough to remember the 1973 Great Russian Grain Robbery when food and feed grain prices shot up, coinciding with a spike in oil prices occasioned by a Middle East war and OPEC shenanigans. Pundits predicted a new era of high food prices. What we got between 1975 and 2005 was astonishingly stable and declining real prices for food and a green revolution in developing countries that transformed the food security status of many Asian countries. So, note to self, never underestimate the capacity of technology and human ingenuity to respond to crises and to financial incentives. However, a widely held prevailing view is that the next 10 years and more will see higher and more volatile commodity prices than have been the case over the past 30 years. On balance, I agree with this view and expect that higher and fluctuating oil prices will be a principal culprit in creating an unstable commercial environment within our industry. Using grain for biofuels won't help the situation. And with oil prices north of 100 bucks a barrel, irrational government subsidies on biofuels will be irrelevant. This decade will see an increasing focus on food security by many governments, and indeed by food manufacturers keen to safeguard the integrity of key supply chains. From a trade policy perspective, this will be bad news for global trade liberalisation, but likely lead to a rash of bilateral trade agreements as importing countries seek to secure long-term food supplies and exporters seek to lock in preferred customers. For my mind, this is more likely route to this is a more likely route to food security than leasing buying large tracts of land in unstable foreign countries to produce food for the citizens back home. This current decade will see an increasing understanding about how to price commodities which in history were considered free or zero-cost goods. Pricing carbon and water comes to mind. Those countries that have experience in these areas, increasing New Zealand in pricing carbon, Israel and the USA, but particularly California in pricing water, and I guess they'll get competitive advantage from their early adoption of rational pricing of scarce natural resources. 
My eighth trend and last one in this podcast is an increase in regulatory pressures. Consumer concerns about health and well-being and sustainability, plus a growing awareness of a scarcity of natural resources in the face of remorseless increase in global economic activity, will drive a significant increase in regulatory pressures on the food and drink industry. Firms will see this as both good and bad. Good for some because their preference will be to have the same rules for all, the so-called level playing field, rather than be disadvantaged by regulation in one location that is not embraced by competitors exporting from a lightly regulated region. This will become increasingly an issue as the relative importance of credence factors in foods rise. For for instance, in Europe, the banning of caged egg production will leave the industry open to attack from processed egg products produced in lower-cost systems outside the EU, Brazil, for example. Mind you, this messy area is already being addressed by organisations such as the Consumer Goods Forum through establishing global protocols on food safety, so-called GFSI, and on social elements of food production, marketing and distribution, GSCP, which is the Global Social Compliance Programme. To reiterate, it will be a messy process as new regulatory regimes emerge on such esoteric and difficult-to-define areas as sustainability, climate change, etc. Look how challenging the relatively straightforward regulatory areas of health claims on food products has turned out so far in the EU. It's a nightmare with regulators and industry people learning as they go along. Well, that's eight of the 12 trends covered. And on reflection, I'm going to call a break for lunch. If you have the stamina and interest, come back and listen to what I have to say on the final four megatrends, which relate to how consumers and the industry will respond to and use emerging technologies. Talk to you soon.